You're listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Here we go. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Breakaway for nonstop chill. Also sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Their season gets underway on February 5th. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle, coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? PB, I'm doing terrific. And I think, did the Hawks just have another scoring chance? Hold another, on. Another scoring chance, but did not bury it. Oh, my Lord. That should have been, what, a four or five? Maybe six goal game. I mean, how many doorstep chances they had? I guess the good news is they had the chances. Bad news is you don't get points for that. Maybe one of their best efforts of the young season. The five game point streak comes to an end last night. It was an effort where they outshot, they outchanced, uh, they had the more high danger chances. They had every metric you would look at. The advantage went to the Blackhawks, except the one that counts on the scoreboard. So they lose two to one. And I'm not into moral victories, Brian, but I, I I was watching that game last night and I felt like it was a team that I had seen the Hawks play in their glory days that would frustrate you, work hard, uh, have dominating periods at times, but could not finish. Like it was like a it was like a Minnesota Wild esque performance when the Hawks were would take a period or two off. And they would just hang around. The Wild would work their tails off, have nothing to show for it. And at the end, Sharpie or Hosa, Kane, Taves, whoever, would would bury the opportunities that they got and they'd pull out a victory. They don't have those finishers. They they, they just don't. And they they don't have that talent level that we're used to seeing over the last decade. But there are some signs that they're going to be in hockey games this year. And it starts in net. It looks like Kevin Lankinen is, at least for now, a legitimate starting goalie in the National Hockey League. And he will keep you in contests. Yeah, it's a great point and a great comparison when you look at this thing. Because, you know, frankly, we have a Twitter poll today. They have seven points right now in nine games. And the way the season started when they were giving up five spots the first four games and just didn't look like a team that could even compete and do everything you just said, right? They grind it out, have those great chances. And you're right, no finishers. Even, you know, Patrick Kane has been up and down this season and, and had terrific opportunities, including the one with 311 left in the game. And he just, you know, floated the puck. He had top shelf wide open and he went top, top shelf. He went over the crossbar. So, um, you don't that your margin of error is next to nothing at that point. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But our Twitter poll is, you know, they're on pace right now for uh, over fifty six games to have basically forty four points. Uh, with what you've seen, given the defense and the special teams, and also some of the the flaws on this team, and the emergence of Kevin Lincoln in, as PB just said, are you going over forty four or under forty four? Do you think there's still a lot of upside here? Or do you think this team that you've seen the last two, three weeks is the team you're going to get 
throughout the season. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Follow Brian at Brian Hanley five three four. You can follow me at Boyle NBCS. Uh, you know, you look at the two goals that Columbus had last night, and they both came off of aggressive plays from the Blackhawks. So the, the penalty kill has been trending in a nice direction for the Blackhawks. They were perfect 8-for-8 eight eight in Nashville on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night. But David Kampf, last night, gambled and lost. It, it looked like Yanmark was going to possibly knock the puck out of, out of the zone. And Kampf gambled, hoping they would have a two-on-one shorthanded break. He... Gambled and lost, opened up a passing lane, and Bjorkstan ends up putting in the power play goal. There was nothing Lankinen could do on the one-timer, and that ends up the first goal. The second goal, three and a half minutes into that second period, Ian Mitchell, who is the reason why he was drafted by the Blackhawks, offensive-minded defenseman. Kid was great at Denver the last few seasons. Went back for uh, his junior year last year to be their captain. And I think he's been impressive so far. He jumps into the play and decides to you know go hard to the paint and toe-drags and almost puts in a beautiful backhander. What happens? Doesn't He doesn't score. And Columbus counters. They've got numbers the other way. Eric Robinson on the mini breakaway. He scores to make it to zip. Here is Jeremy Colleton on Mitchell being aggressive. If I can get over on the other side here. I can't. Uh, we'll have to have Tyler Aki help me out here with the, uh, the audio situation. But basically, they were aggressive last night. And that is something that... Um, Carlton wants to see, but they have to also be in position to, if it doesn't work out, right? You know, handle the 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 counter. Here's Carlton on Mitchell being aggressive last night. We had him vulnerable, and that's the time. We had him vulnerable, and that's the time to push. I mean, we want to be aggressive in those situations. That group, you know, I have to look how long they've been out there, but we we had a full change, and uh, you know, we. You want to execute there. You want to make teams pay. Uh, at the same time, when they do win the puck back, we got to be ready to defend. And uh, you know, so we just we'll learn from it. And um, I, I think there's a lot left on the table for us in those situations to create just a little bit more and have a little bit more killer instinct. And uh, we'll get better at it. So you know, he was he was okay with what Mitchell did, and I and I get it. That that's what you want to see. It's up to everybody else on the ice, and in, in this case, Patrick Kane tries yeah. to get back as as uh, you know a forward to uh, you know pick up Ian Mitchell's spot that he he vacated, and it, you know he was just a step or two behind a guy who can flat out fly in Robinson. In the past, you know Bjorkstrand's pass right on the tape at the red line, and so you're right. I mean Patrick Kane's momentum is going forward. And he's not exactly flat-footed, but Robinson just, you know, blew right by him. And, and Lincoln had, you know, virtually no chance on that. So, and look, I mean, Columbus comes in, and they now have a seven-point uh, streak. And uh, sit atop the division, you know, Dallas hasn't played enough games. I mean, look at Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> not only four, four for four, but have a, what, a plus 13-point differential. I guess that extra week or two of uh, 
COVID rest uh, paid off for him to this point. So it is interesting, uh, you know, that that is a Columbus team that that's got some talent. They have a goaltender that's playing pretty well. Actually, a pair of goaltenders they've been rotating it out. I guess, you know, for the Hawks, who's the who's the if, if Lincoln has now won the the top job, and it appears that he has with with the way you know the eye test, he passes that, and the numbers, he's certainly better than the other two. You know, who's your backup right now? If uh, if you had to name one between Malcolm Subban and, and Delia. It would probably um, be Subban right now, and I think there's a there's a good chance that Subban will get the start tomorrow night. And, and as you mentioned, Columbus has two great goaltenders in Merzlikens and, and who we saw last night, Jonas Corposalo. He was fantastic. Let's go to the phone lines. John in Evanston is first up on the Hockey Show. Good morning, John. Hey, guys. Yeah, wasn't it Corposalo that was in the net against the Lightning and took him eight periods in the playoffs? Yes, it was. You know, when you have him in the net and you you think back to what he did against the Lightning in that series, you just tip your cap to that guy because he's proven that he can stop the puck. What you got to do against a, a hot goalie, and that's what he is, definitely. You got to have more than one person in front of that net so that when he if he kicks a rebound out, he's going to be out of position. You got to just... Put that puck in the net. One guy isn't going to do it because you're going to have two guys for Columbus back. They're all over him. So you got to have an extra guy up there with him that can either, you know, set a pick in front of him or something to free, you know, to get that puck in the net. But Cupicello has proven that he belongs. And uh, again, last night, you just tip your cap to him and say, you know what? He just. He out and out beat us. He played a better game in the net. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah, it was a goalie win, no question about it. And uh, on the flip side, the, the Hawks have had great goalie performances, you know, in the last five games. They, they've allowed two goals or less in four of the last five games. Here's Patrick Kane on the solid goaltending they've had so far from Lankin and, and Subban in recent games. Yeah, they've been great, you know. Um... I think as a team, you want to um, score more than three goals in two games to uh, to help them out a little bit. But um, both those guys played great. And, um, you know, I think uh, both are very confident in the net, confident in, uh, in their abilities. So that's a good thing for us, um, especially if they keep providing that goaltending and we can, you know, start uh, producing a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I think we're playing okay the way we're playing, but it'd be nice to just – and it create maybe some great grade A chances a little bit more and uh, um, help those guys out back there um, by not facing as many shots. But, you know, got to be happy with uh, with the goaltending so far this year. No question. It's been one of the positives. It's been one of the surprises, you would think, with three unproven goalies to see, you know, the, the third option, Kevin Lankin, and emerge as the guy. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But, like, some of the positives so far through the nine games – it, the power play has been fantastic. They've scored now in in eight of nine games on the man advantage. They're ranked number two in the NHL. The penalty kill's been solid, trending up. They did allow one last night, and then the goaltending. I mean, what else? What else stands out to you, Brian, as far as from the positive side of the ledger through the first nine games? Well, I think Kevin Lincoln and you know credited the defense said it's much better and it is much better. Um, but because your offense is struggling, it has to be even better still, right? I mean, there has to be another 
level for it to attain until the offense finds its rhythm. Um, and, and when you hear Kaner talk about generating more grade-A chances, this goes back to your point, top of the show. They go in spurts. I mean, the 19 uh, shots in the second period, terrific, and plenty of grade-A chances, right? And look, even on the Strom goal on the power play, Kubalik had two chances on the other side of the net that you'd think he's going to bury one of those two. So um, the grade A chances are there, but to your point, finishing, uh, you just, even in overtimes and shootouts, you know, you're two, four and three, because you don't have those go-to guys that you went through the list of, you know, in your heyday where if a couple guys are struggling, there's two other guys who are going to pick them up and get, you know, put the puck in the net and get that extra point. So um, I think the defense has been better. I think special teams have been better than I thought, and, and particularly the penalty kill. And I would never believe that we'd have Lincoln in emerge uh, this short end of the season. I know uh, Jamal Mayer said, you know, 20 games would be about a good run to, to see who wins the goaltending derby. But here we are, not even half of that, and Lincoln's grabbed the job. One guy who's performed at a, at a pretty high level so far this season has been Dylan Strom. He's about to go through a life-changing experience in a matter of weeks. We'll hear from Dylan on the other side. He gives us an update on his good buddy, Alex DeBrinkett. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Kubelik, what a save, Rebus. A second save by Corpusano. Wow, dandy work for that man. Here's Kane now. In front, Strome. He scores! Dylan Strome, while being checked, able to snap one top shelf. The Hawks come through the power play to cut the lead in half. It's the Hall of Famer Pat Foley on the call on NBC Sports Chicago last night. He will join us in about 15 minutes here on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. That was Dylan Strome's third goal of the campaign, the only tally from the Blackhawks last night. Strome also was a 10 of 16 at the faceoff dot. It's the fourth time this season he's won 60% or more of his draws. So uh, he's off to a good start. And, and we were talking about finding guys that can be finishers on this team. Uh, Strom's goal last night was definitely uh, a type of play that a finisher makes. And they're, they're asking him to step up in class here. You know, I think he was penciled in to be the third-line center with Taves out, with Doc out, uh, he's been your your second line center with Kurashev and Kubalik, and so far coming off the contract extension, Brian, he's been fantastic. Yeah, and, and look, if you, if you come away without a goal in that situation on the man advantage after Kubalik had those two great oh, opportunities, yeah. I mean that that's demoralizing. And you mentioned the 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 faceoff, you know what he's doing on the dot, and you know Jonathan Taves, uh, unsung part of his game or certainly Hawks fans are aware of it, but when he's on his game, you got to get the puck from the draw, right? right. In order to, to generate anything. So with, with Taves out for who knows how long, you're going to need guys like Strom, not not only to bury pucks when you get an opportunity, but to get the, the puck and keep it in the zone, uh, you know, to start anything you're going to generate on offense or even on a power play. 
So Dylan is going through uh, some changes here. Let's just say that. He's only 23 years of age. Right before he left for the bubble in Edmonton, he and his girlfriend Taylor found out that she was pregnant. She is due in March. They're going to have a baby girl. He is going to turn 24 in March. He just got that contract extension. I mean, this this guy's going through a lot, you know, right here. But we also know he's like best friends with Alex DeBrinkett. And so yesterday I caught up with Strom. I asked him, you know, is he talking to Alex a lot? And how is DeBrinkett feeling, who, of course, is on COVID-19 protocol list? Talked to him a lot. Um, hopefully it's uh, not as long as they originally thought. So hopefully we'll see him soon. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's never ideal. I mean, um, you know, it's kind of the world we live in today. You know, it's, it's weird how, you know, some guys can get it and some guys, um, you know, the rest of the team is okay. It's, it's, it's just weird. It's, uh, it doesn't really make sense. I don't think it makes sense to anyone, but, uh, it's a reality we're living in and it sucks. And we wish there was fans here and everything. And, um, just trying to get through it day by day and, and look forward to the next team. I thought the one thing he said there that was interesting, Brian, was hopefully he won't be out as long as originally thought. You know, again, we're reading into this. This is a lot of this is, uh, uh, you know, things that that are uh, kept private because of of HIPAA laws and and, uh, COVID-19 protocol. But it sounds like, you know, maybe Debrinkit might be back maybe a little bit sooner than that two weeks that we originally heard. Yeah, well, the insidious part of this pandemic and, and this virus is it runs spectrum, right, from asymptomatic to mild symptoms to ICU and, and worse. So right. it's, it's you know, it, it sounds like, like you said, if you're reading between the lines there, that maybe mild symptoms or, or no symptoms, who knows? But um, the good news is that there doesn't appear to be an outbreak, right? I right. Mean, it, 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 so that that's good. You're not going to be missing games here. Uh, off the schedule so good thing they caught it and uh, hopefully he is going through the protocols and, and getting whatever you know medical help he needs if he needs it to to get through this thing yeah and and you you know so you've got walmart you've got to and you've got boquist right now on that covid19 protocol list and originally the hawks said boquist and to would be out for two weeks uh, we're still holding out hope that Taves will be back at some point. I, I, again, we talked about it last week. We're not going to be in the uh, the business of uh, stirring, speculating. St- yeah, speculating and stirring up the rumors. But we we are holding out hope that Taves will be back at some point. This team needs needs guys to help them scoring. Certainly five on five. And so, you know, it was going to be tough at the start of this season, even if Doc and Taves were available. Take those two out of the equation. Take Debrinkit out now. Take Walmart out. Take uh, Nylander out of the equation. I mean, it's next guy up, but we're starting to, to get to pretty deep on that depth chart, Brian. Yeah, but it, you're, you are seeing some guys emerge or, you know, guys you want to see more of. So that that's good news, too. You know, the suitors and uh, Nick Bowden all of a sudden is going to be a guy that, uh, you know, you want to take a look at a little bit here. I know Jeremy Colleton has been talking up his training camp, certainly. And now if he's going to get an opportunity here with Boquist out, uh, we'll see. But it, no one had the Hawks penciled in or inked in as a playoff team. So this is what a rebuild looks like. And. Next man up is not the worst thing in the world when you're trying to sort out 
the keepers from the the also answer. Who on this team in the first nine games looks like a piece that you want to build with? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Some guys that have stood out to me: Brandon Hagel for sure. Uh, you know he's a, he's a fourth line winger who, because of his play and his speed and his relentless attack of the puck, uh, he got bumped up in Nashville and saw some minutes with Patrick Kane. You've got Pew Suter, you've got Philip Kurashev, and uh, we mentioned Ian Mitchell at the at the top of the show. But those are just some of the guys that have, have stood out to me. Uh, you mentioned Suter. Uh, Jammer last night wants to see Kurashev play with Patrick Kane. Well, that'd be terrific. And, and speaking of Kane, how about 27-plus minutes last night? Yeah. Only eighth time in regular season uh, game in his career that he's logged that kind of time. And I, I know Ben Pope wrote about it in the Sun-Times. And at, during the skate, he and Jeremy Colleton were literally uh, skating in circles as they're having conversations right. about and, and And I like to hear that. And I like to hear what Patrick Kane said about the coach being a great communicator. Because it's one thing for Stan Bowman to tell you that because it's his coach. He's got to believe that. But to hear the the captain of the team, the leader of the team, say, "Oh yeah, he he's you know comes to me. I'm a sounding board. I'll tell him what I see. He wants to know what I'm seeing. Uh, he'll tell me what he's seeing." I mean, you love to have that conversation or to have that kind of chemistry or relationship between your your best guy and the young coach. No question. And it was an interesting week for Kane because on Tuesday night, for just the seventh time in his career, Brian Patrick Kane did not have a shot attempt. I mean, that just some things just don't happen in hockey. Patrick Kane not even attempting a shot does not happen. It happened for the seventh time in 14 years on Tuesday night. He comes back on Wednesday, 13 shot attempts. He was on the ice all night long getting double shifted. And that, of course, was in the back end of a back-to-back. Uh, he picked up I thought where he left off last night. Again, it's you know I think he, he got a helper on the uh, on the Strom goal. Um, you know here here's Patrick Kane on the team. In, uh, let's go first to Jeremy Colleton. You talked about the discussion that Colleton and Kane have been having. One of those things has been the power play, and it was a a, a problem for this team a year ago. They only hit on fifteen percent of their power play opportunities. They've done a much better job moving, opening up shooting lanes, not up being predictable and allowing the penalty killers to stay in their tight formation. Here's here's Colleton on his discussion with Patrick Kane, the improvements made to the power play. That's definitely something we talked about and uh, finding a way to get guys out of their spots and uh, more rotation and playing more on instinct and letting things come to them, um, not allowing the, the kill to be to sit in their structure. And it's a lot easier, easier to sort things out if guys aren't moving. So uh, and puck movement's a big part of it, but people movement as well. And uh, obviously we'd have, we, we've had to change the units here. So we've had to, you know, uh, start over in some ways, but uh doesn't change the fact we want to move. We want to force the kill to rotate, and uh, then we can find some options. Look, the power play has has kept this team in games as well. It's been the pretty much 
the biggest way that they've been able to score. And you take Debrinkit and Boquist off that top power play unit. And, you know, you take two right-handed shots off that power play. They don't have a lot of right-handed shooters left on this roster. So they end up putting two left-hand shots back out there in Kubalik and Duncan Keith. And it throws things off. You've got Kubalik for the one-timer now on the right side. But Patrick Kane is now on the left side. And you saw on that one opportunity where it came down low uh, to him on on the goal line on the left side. He got a shot off, but he had to go from his backhand to his forehand and then almost beat uh, Corpusalo short side. But if he's on the other side of the ice where his his one-timer is, is ready and presented – it's easier and quicker for him to get that shot off. Well, you know, that's the impressive thing, too, uh, that they've scored on the man advantage eight or nine games with the changes having to be made because of, of the situation they're in. And so I know that the blueprint early before the game of the season even started was to have the first unit on the power play being more of the movement uh, group and more of a you know stationary group in the second unit. But the fact that even with the changes and personnel moves and all that, that it's been consistent. I mean, it's almost been perfect, not almost nine of nine, but, you know, one game where you didn't score the power play. So it, it, it'd be a little bit more frustrating if you were getting, getting, you know, two or three on the man advantage for a couple of games and then nothing in the next couple of games and up and down. So it, if they're going to win, as you said, because of not, not finishing and not generating enough uh, to, uh, goals to to begin with if you don't take advantage of the man advantage you're going to be in a whole lot more hurt than they are right now the hawks didn't keep their point streak going last night but the the hockey show on esp 1000 we're keeping our streak of hall of famers going last week we had chris chelios uh, this week the one and only pat foley joins us and he joins us next on espn 1000 you're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Brinkett for Strong. Flip shot, hit a couple of people, bounce right to Kane. Oh, a fortunate bounce from the Blackhawks find Patrick Kane stick. He's extended a point streak to four in a row, and the Hawks with the lead on a power play tally. Mitchell activating. Conan dropped it to Strome. He threw it back to Hahn. Let's it go. He scores! Calvin DeHaan, a rocket, beating Grice, and the Blackhawks double the lead. That's Pat Foley from NBC Sports Chicago. The Hall of Famer joins us now on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey, good to be with you guys. How's everybody? We're doing fine. Let's start with uh, probably the biggest question mark going into this season was who was going to emerge from the three unproven goalies of Delia, Subban, and Lankinen. And uh, early returns, again, small sample size, Pat, but Kevin Lankinen's at least keeping them in games. Your your thoughts on what you've seen from the, the Finnish netminder? Well, the kid's been incredibly composed. I mean, he, he looking at him on the ice, it almost seems like he's been in the league for a couple of years. So I think that's the thing that uh, stands out the most in addition to his 
very uh, very good athleticism. Um, his composure, he, he, he seems to have a short memory, and uh, uh, not that many bad goals have gone in against him, but um, you know he's he's been rock solid. The other two guys have, have barely played, so it's probably not a fair thing to assess at this point. But uh, you know, yeah, no question about it. The early the early leader, uh, you know, we're only in the first round of the uh, four round golf tournament, so the, <laughs> but the, the leader after Thursday is uh, Lankin, and no doubt. Patrick, you've seen it all in 37 years with the Colin Hawks games. You've seen the dysfunctional teams I covered for the most part. You've seen championships. Uh, now, uh, what, a second full-on rebuild? Uh, what are the challenges for you, for you doing your job, if any? Uh, does it change for you depending on the team you're, you're watching night to night? Well, look, at I, I mean, one of my mentors way, way back in the day was uh, the legendary Dan Kelly, who was uh, wound up being a a wonderful friend of mine and, and uh, kind of took me under his wings when, when I was first starting. We, he was awesome. And he, look at, he, he told me something I never forgot, which is it doesn't really, you know, no matter what your preparation is, no matter what your style is, you always sound better when you win. <laughs> and, um, uh, listen, that's just, uh, I would consider that to be a fact. Um, so look at uh, when when you're covering a great team or an electrifying team, uh, you know everybody's excited, everybody's happy, and and I'm talking about the on the outside, the fans and everybody who's following the team. You know, on the inside, uh, you know it's obviously better for the players and coaches and trainers that you're dealing with. You know when things are going well. So um, look at this is it's going to be a challenge. It's, it's it's there's no question about it. I was actually. It was kind of cool to hear a couple goal replays uh, when you guys opened this segment because that's going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, this team is not going to be offensively gifted, particularly with the pieces that are not available. So, um, you know, you are what you are. So uh, uh, you're going to, you know, I look at the Columbus Blue Jackets that uh, we played last night and, and they, you know, under John Tortorella, look, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But I, I know some players, like I'll say Patrick Kane in particular, who's had some dealings with him with different Team USA situations. And he loved playing for him. Uh, many players have not. But this guy, for the most part, has been able to get teams to overachieve with a, with a relentless work ethic. And by the way, relentless work ethic, isn't that exactly what Jeremy Colladin has been preaching to, you know, try to get installed here? So, to a T, to a T. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, I mean, uh, look at the way they've been in Columbus the last few years. That's where the Blackhawks are trying to get. And uh, that's really what this season has been about, I think. The Hall of Famer Pat Foley joins us on ESPN 1000. It's the hockey show presented by Coors Light. Break away from nonstop chill. Uh, you know, when you talk about that relentless work ethic, I think if you look at last night's game and maybe take the Detroit games out because it was Detroit, like that was one of their best efforts last night. The, the, the thing I said to Brian at the beginning of the show, it, it reminded me of watching like the Hawks take on the wild over the last 10 years where the wild would somehow be in a game, not give up a ton of chances, uh, to the Blackhawks. But the Hawks would bury their opportunities. They had finishers. The Wild did not. This team right now, of course, we've got Patrick Kane. Maybe Dylan Strome will go grow into a role like that. Maybe DeBrinckit's going to be that type of guy. But we're not blessed with the finishers that we've had in this in this town over the last decade plus. 
Well, I think you're right on, Pat. And uh, uh, again, you know, I mean, you, you think about this team that we've been watching for a couple of weeks. If the power play wasn't clicking, oh boy! Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you're may... basically scoring a goal a game at at, uh, at even strength. So, uh, look at—I mean, it's, there's no doubt it's going to be a challenge. And, and again, you know, you, you you can't dwell on what you don't have. You got to work with what you do. But look at—no team in the league is playing without their top two centers. And every—you know—I think most fans perceive Alex to break it to be a goal scorer, which he has been. He's also a terrific playmaker. I mean, so you've got three of your top six unavailable. Um, I think some in the Blackhawks organization would like to put Nylander in that sort of top six group. Well, let's let's be realistic and hope that he's top nine, okay? But anyway, there's four of your top nine. So look at uh, those are just the facts of the case. So you're you're going to have to try to make do. Um, I think for the most part with making try to make. Two or three goals win. You've got to be very improved defensively. I mean, last year, really the last couple of years, the Hawks were not very good defensively. They've they've got to tighten that up. Um, they've been a little bit better the last couple of games in in not giving up as much as they were in the first couple of weeks. But look, at that's true around the league. We're still in kind of a training camp situation. You know, these teams and coaching staffs and players, they're all trying to figure out who's where and, you know, how people operate and what the systems are and, you know, all those kind of things. So, you know, every season, the early season games usually lead to more scoring. Things eventually tighten up, and the Hawks have to hope that that's going to be the case for them. Well, that said, Pat, we saw Kirby Doc take a big step uh, when when they got to the bubble last summer, and he obviously spent a lot of the off time improving his, his conditioning, his game, and all that. Of these younger guys or newcomers, not necessarily young, but newcomers to the team, uh, who do you have two or three that can take a step up and, and become those those goal scorers you're talking about? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, look at uh, if you're talking about the guys who are still currently in the lineup. I mean, all you can do is hope. I mean, you hope that uh, Pew Suter and Philip uh, Kershev eventually are going to be able to be productive. I mean, but look at these guys. In coming over here, I'm quite certain that they have probably never played four games in a week. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's what we got now. I mean, you're playing every other day, so uh, it's going to be a challenge for them. And um, you know, Suter's had a he had one big game, but I mean, he's he's been on the point sheet two games out of whatever we've played nine. So you know, you hope that down the road, uh, you know. There's the there's the big thing for this coaching staff is to be able to say in March and April that some of these kids and some of these newcomers are better players than they are now. I mean that that's the challenge in front of them, and and that's what this year is going to have to be about. Pat, I wanted to ask you a broadcasting question about your good friend Len Casper. We are stoked here at uh, at ESPN 1000 that he's going to be on these airwaves as the new voice of the Chicago White Sox. I know you're bummed that you're not going to hear him call your favorite baseball team's games on TV anymore, but I, I just thought it was a really cool decision that Len made. He he left what many would say this marquee job, 
<laughs> no pun intended, pun intended. Uh, you know, as the, as the voice of the Cubs on television, uh, to go back to radio, his original love in broadcasting, and to get that opportunity to take a team through a full season and then eventually into a postseason and hopefully a World Series. I'm sure you talked to him. Your thoughts on your your good friend making this unique decision? Well, PB, uh, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm glad you guys are excited. You should be. I mean, this guy's a terrific broadcaster. He's also a great guy, as I'm sure you know. Um, and, you know, that comes through on the airwaves, too. It's why uh, he has a high degree of respect in this town. And I'd like to know the list of people who could pull this off. I mean, first of all, there aren't too many cities that have uh, two teams, but uh, for him to be able to go back to his childhood dream and only add seven miles to his commute, <laughs> I mean, come on, it's, it's uh, yeah, God bless him, that's what I would say, and, and there's very few that could have pulled it off, uh, I'm happy for him that he did, uh, you know, we have spoken, We're, we are buddies, uh, I, I like him a lot, and um you know, to be able to do that with no ill will, uh, again, not not many could pull it off. So uh, uh, good for him. I, I'm really happy for him, and he's really stoked to, uh, you know, call an up-and-coming team while the team he left is uh, in a rebuild. So um, the opportunity to hopefully get to a World Series is a big piece of that pie. And, and by the way, yeah, I'm a Cubs fan, boys, but I got nothing against the Sox. And that should be one of the most exciting teams in baseball to watch over the next uh, couple of weeks. They can pound the ball, man. They're fun. Hey, Pat, another broadcast question. Oh, Mark, Mark Lazarus tweeted out uh, a couple from the Athletic a couple weeks ago. They misses the lifestyle, the travel and everything else. A lot of writers are are afraid that Zoom uh, press conferences are, are here to stay even after the vaccine, and hopefully this thing all ends sooner than later. Uh, is is broadcasting Hawks games going to change or, or NHL games? Do, do you have any thoughts on what it looks like post-pandemic? Yeah, good question, Brian. I, I, I obviously don't know. Uh, I do think that there is a chance that the way things are now uh, may be in the future. And, um, I, I don't think that's a good thing, particularly for broadcasters trying to call a game. It, it, everything changes when you're at the rink, and uh, just having to call it off a monitor is uh, not good. So um, uh, if you look at it, it is what it is. You, you play the cards you're dealt, and you try to do the best you can with uh, the hand that's in front of you. But um, uh, uh, I, I, I would not be surprised if uh, locker rooms remain closed. I, I wonder if there ever will be access again to the media, uh, being able to walk around in a locker room and, uh, you know, check in with players. I, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, maybe has gone away for good, which um, uh, I think media would uh, despise and teams would love. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hate to say it, but I think you're right, and that's that's very unfortunate. Well, here's the thing. You and Edzo are making the, the best out of a difficult situation each and every night on NBC Sports Chicago. I love working with you. appreciate you doing this. I don't know if you got a golf simulator there at the, at the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the Foley Mansion, but... Uh, I, I I know you wish you were out there playing eighteen today. If there was if there was a way, and well, I miss our nights at Joe Orange Balls. Maybe I can still find them in the snow. <laughs> but 
Uh, good being with you. Appreciate the kind words, Pat. You're uh, great at what you do, and uh, enjoy uh, listening to you guys in the studio. So, uh, and Brian, it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, we uh, yeah. we've uh, shared a, um, a chat or two uh, back in the day. And by the way, talking castle, about traveling, I, I never in my life thought I would say. I would miss going to Winnipeg, but at this point, I do. <laughs> Pat Foley, thanks for joining oh. us. We'll see you tomorrow night on NBC Sports Chicago. Take care, boys. You're Stay the best. Well. That is the Hall of Famer, Pat Foley. We were, um, locked, in, we were locked in at the Alfred and Castle in Ottawa one night. The manager closed up. He said, you guys could stay if you want. And I believe we all got out of there at 8 in the morning. <laughs> I don't think I made the... The, the morning or, skate, yeah. The morning skate. No, uh, no. As we were heading back to the west. Yeah. When the sun's away. coming up as you leave the bar, that yeah. that that might have been you might have been overserved. <laughs> All right, we're coming up to ra- wrap up the hockey show on ESPN th- one thousand on the other side. The hockey show presented by Coors Light. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Final moments of the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from nonstop chill. Also sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Their season gets underway on February 5th. Uh, rumor has it there's been an addition to the Hanley family. Do, do you have a new puppy that that, that uh, is roaming around your house? Uh, adopted a two-year-old mom who had four pups and took one of the pups, too, which probably bit off more than I can chew. And now the puppy's biting off everything you can find. <laughs> it's been 20 years since I had a puppy. I adopted you know a couple, two- or three- or four-year-old dogs in the interim. But, yeah, I forgot that puppies like chairs and tables and corners and and your ankle. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it, yeah, so, it's uh, it's gonna be fun. All right, so I told you earlier about Dylan Strom. He's gonna be a dad coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, he has a golden retriever named Wrigley, and, and Wrigley actually has uh, an Instagram uh, page. Of course, he does. Uh, Wrigley Strom, and uh, Wrigley is known to gnaw on some things from time to time as well. And the story goes that he he gnawed on. Uh, Dylan sticks and Dylan ended up using one of those uh, to break out of a scoring skid. So let, let, I actually talked to Strom about this yesterday. Here's what he had to say about Wrigley helping him out. It was just when I came back from my injury. So I had the, the ankle injury and, and uh, we got him during that time. Um, and then hadn't scored for like, I don't know, six or seven, seven or eight games maybe. And uh, I had these two sticks lying at home. I'm not sure what it, when it was from, from the summer or something they were just sitting by the door and all of a sudden one day he's just uh you know he gets in these moods where he wants to destroy anything so um you no know, he, he grabbed the stick and, and started biting it and chewing it and i thought it was pretty funny and then taylor's like well you, you kind of have to use that stick tonight so <laughs> brought it to the game and ended up scoring two goals against anaheim and uh got me out of a little scoring slump so uh you know he's good for uh, good for a lot of things he's uh he's a great dog and he, he's, he's fun to fun to play around with goal scorer's best friend that, that, that dog <laughs> yeah 
bitter apple, not on your sticks. You put that on the chairs and the tables. But if there's some goals in that stick now, just leave it be and you know, let them gnaw on it whenever you, uh, before any game. Right? Yeah, well, here's what we do. We need to take all the Hawks sticks. We need to go to the nearest <laughs> shelter and we need to just <laughs> sprinkle Desperate those around. Yeah, you know? there you go. There you go. Maybe that'll get them going five on five. <laughs> hey, uh, you're, uh, you and, uh, Freddie Hubner are up next. Uh, what do you have on the docket following well, the Well, yeah, show? we want to welcome Deshaun Watson to the, to town. Oh, uh, no. I mean, it, it is remarkable. I, I had a list, Pat, uh, for three weeks, four weeks left in the regular season about, you know, available quarterbacks. It was a bunch of Philip River types, uh, you know, journeymen. And, yeah. And now look. No. Now look at it, this list, it, it, depending how this all shakes out. Look, don't believe the hype. The, the, for both, both things. A, the Bears don't have enough no, no, to get no. him. And B, I don't think Deshaun Watson wants to, to come, come here. here. Even, and it has nothing to do with them not paying attention to or putting them on the pay no mind list initially. It's no, like, it's the yeah, fact that the coaching staff is, is and, yeah. and the coaching staff is one foot is out the a, door. Yeah, exactly. Why would but, you? But, you know, hey, he wants input on, on hiring. So this is immediate. He can hire a GM and a coach if he comes here. They, you know, Ryan Pace has to sell him. Hey, you can hire my replacement. <laughs> But I mean, you know, Gardner Minshew is more like likely what the Bears are going to end. Right, up with. exactly. It's not Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, he's going to tech. I mean, but we're going to sort that out. All right, well, have... and then we'll sort out the baseball because you know, Jock Peterson, I guess, turned down ten million from the White yes, Sox. And how about that? Like that? I mean, you know, okay, it's it the free agent market in baseball is something to see. And uh, we got lots to talk about. We got uh, the Bulls up and down season. We got we have plenty to, to cover in two hours. All right. Well, Freddie Hubner and Brian Hanley are up next. Uh, that is going to do it for the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Blackhawks back in action tomorrow night. Coverage begins at 530 on NBC Sports Chicago. Brian, great stuff as always. Have a good show with Freddie, and I'll see you next week on the hockey show. Watch you on the TV. On ESPN 1000.